Korean shamanism, Korean folk religion, Musuk or Mugyo, is an essential part of Korean identity. It played, and still plays for some, an important role in how decisions were taken and how one could affect his or her own faith. Moreover, elements of shamanism were present in official government rituals for the welfare of the nation. Shamanism isn't a popular subject nowadays. It's even taboo for some, and it isn't an easy task to find out its origins, philosophy, and history. Korean shamanism is often ignored when talking about Korean culture and the behavior of its people. Most of the time, when talking about Korean culture, there's more of a focus on Confucianism and Buddhism, and more recently, Christianity. But, like trying to understand Western culture without the influence of Christianity, it would be erroneous to not discuss the influence of shamanism on Korean society. The basic structure of Korean shamanism is singing and dancing with the rite of sacrificial offering to the divine spirits to invoke to chase away calamities and call blessings. Korean shamanism dates back to prehistoric times. It is said that it started with the myth of Dangun, the legendary founder of Go Joseon, the first Korean kingdom. The myth of Jumong's birth, the founder of Goguryeo, and the myth of Yokosei's birth, the founder of Shila, also influenced Korean shamanism. As a matter of fact, these three ancestral myths have common structures and ultimately lead to the belief that creation was only possible through the union of heaven and human beings. First, a heavenly spirit descends to earth, and then human beings go through self-abnegation and sublimation by drinking, singing, and dancing for many days to achieve a state of ecstasy. By doing so, they can have direct intercourse with the divine spirits culminating in the fusion of earth and heaven, a union of God and man. This process of self-abnegation is a fundamental element of the gut, the shaman ritual, which I will delve into later on. In Goguryeo, Buyo, and in the Jinhan Confederacy, the people used to offer sacrifice during ceremonies to the heavenly god, tomb god, tiger god, and spirits. During these ceremonies, they sang and danced and wore special clothing. The heavenly god, referred to as a brilliant light, was called Huanin. When Buddhism was introduced in the 4th century, many Koreans converted to it, but the vast majority followed Korean shamanism. Interestingly, Buddhist temples were built near shamanistic shrines. A majority of temples have a Samsonggak, Three Saint Pavilion, which enshrines the spirit of the mountain god, the seven stars, Chilsong and Toksong. It is said that he was one of the original disciples of the Buddha, but remained on earth 
to help those in need as a form of punishment for his careless use of miracles. It's worth noting that Buddhist monks were closer to shamanism until recently when the Joge Jong order sought to purge its community from shamanism and its influences. Huanin, the heavenly king or god, is the highest deity, similar to the Jade Emperor in China. In the shrines found in most Buddhist temples, we find the spirit of the seven stars god, Chilzong. He represents childbirth and longevity, and he has control over human lives. Prayers are offered to him for long life and blessings. In the Samsung Gak, we also find the spirits of the mountain gods Huan Ung and his son Dangun. Huan Ung is related to the heavenly god Huanin. In fact, he is his son who descended to earth and became a mountain god. Huan Ung's son Dangun also became a mountain god and he is the founder of Asadal, the mythical capital city of Gojoseon, the first Korean kingdom. For more information on the Dangun myth, you can watch the video I made on the subject. A mountain god is offered prayers for rainfall, childbirth, national security, wealth, and cure for diseases. During the Shilla period, the Huarang, or Flowering Nights, was formed by following Confucianist, Buddhist, Taoist, and shamanistic ideas. As a matter of fact, some important figures of Shilla are still venerated by shamans, like for example Kim Yushin and his mother Man Myung. Huarang rituals included dancing and singing and face painting. The Huarang expelled calamities and invited blessings through these ceremonies something they inherited, no doubt, from ancient shamanistic traditions. In Chile's court, there were shamans who acted like royal counselors, providing advice and suggestions. The shaman told one's fortunes and explained unfortunate events and manifestations related to the unseen world. During the Goryeo dynasty, its founder, Tejo Wangon, commanded his people to continue observing the Pal Guan Hui, Harvest Festival, and offer sacrifices to the heavenly garden spirits, streams, rivers, and dragons, as well as the five cardinal mountains, showing a link and continuity with ancient shamanistic practices. Shamans performed rain prayer rites, cured diseases, performed divination and fortune-telling, cursed people, performed exorcism, sang and danced, and even performed in comic plays. As we shall see, many of these functions are still performed by present-day shamans. The nation also observed the Yongdunghui Lantern Festival, which was carried out throughout the whole land. It served as a memorial service to the souls of the ancestors, national protection by invoking Tejo Wangon, and asking for his divine providence. It was also a festival to chase calamities and asking for blessings. Both the Pal Guan Hui and Yun Dung Hui were Buddhist rites in appearance, but they followed very closely shamanistic traditions. Joseon further changed Korean society with its strong adoption of Neo-Confucianism. All religions were suppressed and seen as backward. 
Still, some officials went to shrines for the veneration of heroes and prayed for auspicious journeys to China on tributary missions. Local shrines were abundant, but some overzealous governors destroyed them at various times. It is said that King Guanghegun often asked Shaman to perform ceremonies to help him decide on some matters. Popular belief was still rooted in shamanism as well as Buddhism. Many rituals were still performed and not rejected by the Yi dynasty's Confucian culture. The mountain river rite continued. It involved praying to the gods of the mountains and rivers for heavenly protection, curing diseases, and rain. Rulers offered sacrifices to high mountains and deep rivers and had royal shrines built to perform these rituals. The Sejong Shilok and the veritable records of the Joseon dynasty recorded many of these rituals involving rulers. In the records of the Joseon dynasty, the names of renowned shamans, both male and female, are on record, although most of them were recorded for their cunning and the scandals surrounding them. Huarin Sa National Clinic were built for Mudang to heal the population. Joseon's religious policy was an antinomy. The government banned shamanism and expelled shamans from the capital, and yet it established a national Mudang hall for the rituals that we just discussed. Spiritual descent or possession was the way of becoming a Mudang since Goryeo, and it continued in Joseon. There's an interesting theory where some believe that Yonsang-gun was in fact possessed by a shaman spirit, and this might explain his erratic behavior during his reign. He was quite adept in the rites of a male mudang, or wizard. The conspirators that wanted to remove Guanghegun and install his younger brother, Yongchang Degun, in his stead, are said to have asked mudangs to curse the king, basically using black shamanism. I will not go into the details of the dark rituals, but it involved cruelty to animals and burying them in or near the palaces. By the end of the Yi dynasty, Queen Min, Empress Myeongsong, was said to love Mudang performances so much that she gave the titles of princess to two of her favorite female shamans. Some even said that she emptied the royal coffers for Mudang rituals to invoke health and long life for her husband, Kojong, and son, Sunjong. To this day, she's worshipped as a shaman goddess, especially because of her tragic death at the hands of Japanese assassins. It is said that her spirit dwells on Mount Inwang to the west of Gyeongbokgung. Mudang Neryok, History of Witches and Wizards, was written in 1885. It talks about the origins of shamanism. It also mentions the musical instruments that are used in ceremonies. The piri, flute, and the hegun, Chinese fiddle, were mostly played by male mudang. The jangdu, an hourglass-shaped drum, and jegun, small cymbal, were played by female mudang. In 1903, Homer B. Hulbert wrote about shaman customs in the Korea Review. He writes about how a ritual for the sick proceeded. 
1. The shaman prepares a table. 2. The shaman's assistant opens a wicker basket letting out the spirits residing inside. 3. The shaman dances until she reaches a point of frenzy. 4. The spectators think that the shaman is possessed by the descending god. 5. The shaman utters words from the god, becoming an oracle. She announces her name and tells the spectators how to cure the disease. Finally, the shaman dances anew and gives her thanks to the spirit. The spirit is sent off by saying, Go in peace. Halbert mentions three kinds of rituals, or gut. One for healing diseases, one which serves as a memorial service for the dead souls, and another for prayers of blessings. In the late 19th and 20th century, modernization and its disruption on society, as well as Christian missionaries, further weakened Korean shamanism. Christianity demonized the folk religion, seeing shamanistic portraits as demonic and instruments of evil and witchcraft. Shamanistic rituals were seen as an obstacle to modernity. Lower-class women during the Joseon dynasty were attracted to shamanism because they weren't allowed in Buddhist temples. The only form of religion they were free to practice was shamanism. During Japanese colonial times, the Japanese tried to incorporate Korean shamanism with Shinto. After the Korean War, South Korea instituted a strong anti-superstition policy that forbade traditional religion and got rid of ancestral shrines. One of these waves of demonization of Korean shamanism is called the Mishin Tapa Undong. It was a movement to overthrow the worship of gods and superstitions. Mishin means illusory or false spiritual beliefs. In North Korea, shamans and their families were considered songbun, tainted blood. This term is still used for anybody who is an enemy of the system. Nonetheless, in South Korea, shaman rituals were still performed in many villages. Korean folk temples are found in villages, mountains, and farmlands because shamans were not allowed to enter cities in Joseon and were relegated to the Chunmin social class, the vulgar commoners. Kisang were also part of this social class. Nowadays, a shaman can rent a room for a day where customers can meet the shaman and carry out a ritual. This commercial temple is called Guttang. Since the end of the 90s, shamans started to be seen by some as the bearers of culture. Shamanism is acknowledged by some as the natural religion of Koreans. It is not as frowned upon as it has been for centuries before, but still somewhat taboo for many Koreans. Now that we have a general idea of the history of Korean shamanism, we will try to answer the question, what is Korean shamanism? Korean shamanism consists of the worship of gods, shin, ancestors, josan, and spirits found in objects, places, and living things. Korean shamanism is related to Chinese shamanism and has been influenced by Confucianism, Buddhism, and Taoism. Korean shamanism is known as musuk. 
The word for shaman in Korean is mudan for female shaman and paksu for male shaman. The spirit of a shaman is called manshin. Gut are the rites performed by Korean shamans. It usually involves sacrifices to gods, spirits, and ancestors. The ritual performances are characterized by rhythmic movements akin to dancing, prayers, songs, and shamans acting as oracles. Shamanic songs are called muga. The role of the shaman is to act as intermediary between the gods and spirits and humanity. Through rituals, they can try to solve some problems that people might encounter in everyday life or simply to seek good fortunes. For example, one can sponsor a ritual when he or she starts a new business or about to move in a new house. Shamans can even perform exorcisms when a restless ancestor is interfering with someone's health. It's worth noting that rituals vary from region to region, so it would take too long to go over all differences. Shamans wear very colorful costumes and change costumes often throughout a ritual. Purification is an essential part of rituals. The altar used for rituals is purified by fire and water. Purity is represented by the color white, so many white costumes are worn during a ritual. The body is purified by burning white papers. Purification is necessary in order to achieve communion between the living and the spirits of the dead. Hanji, handmade Korean paper, is sometimes used to represent divinity, white paper being seen as a pure, unspoiled material. It is folded or cut to become the seats or vehicles of spirits or gods. For example, the Buddhas of the Three Worlds, Sambul. Deities can also be represented with only their names painted in red or black on white paper. Portraits of deities are housed in the shaman's shrine and are seen as inhabited by the gods themselves. Shamans refer to the pictures as respected deity, Shinryong-nim, or a term of respect like grandfather, Haragoji. The shaman respectfully bows to the gods present in the paintings. If a portrait must be moved, the shaman makes offerings and asks for the deity's indulgence before moving it. Forgetting to do so might result in misfortunes and punishment from the god and spirits. Shaman paintings are religious objects with sacred functions. They are not as such traditional or folk paintings. They are often part of ritual themselves and can be buried or burnt. That's why it's almost impossible to find shaman paintings more than a hundred years old. Buddhist paintings are larger more detailed, and hung on temple walls to inspire awe. Shaman paintings are simpler in execution and, also in contrast to Buddhist paintings, are used in a religious tradition where the devotees spend time with and even talk directly with the divine. The shaman, who represents the gods, will in turn reply to the devotees, scold, tease, and even drink alcohol with them. Shaman paintings are usually painted in the five traditional colors, red, blue-green, yellow, white, and black, that represent the five directions, obang-sek. 
The artist and even the subject are rarely written. As a matter of fact, the artist is very rarely a shaman. Ritual objects used by the shaman are believed to be possessed by spirits and people usually refrain from touching them. People who don't believe in shamanism or shun it would usually destroy these objects or hide them far from view. Some people say that they sense the object's power and do not want to be in its presence. Now let's talk about gods in Korean shamanism. There are many types of gods in Korean shamanism. Some are worshipped throughout the whole country, while others are local and worshipped by individual shamans. It is said that there are more than 134 different deities, so we cannot go over each one of them, but here are some popular ones. The Seven Stars God, Chilsong, who is invoked for longevity. The spirit warriors of the five directions, Obang Xinjiang, are invoked for protection. Huku Pyol Song, the smallpox goddess, was invoked for fighting against chickenpox and measles. Gods in Korean shamanism are assumed to behave just like humans do. They eat, drink, dance, and play. They are not just good or bad, light or dark, but possess their own unique individuality. Any god can bring good or bad luck to people. They are tools whose powers are used by humans to achieve some kind of benefit. Deities in Korean shamanism can be grouped into two broad categories. Those who are identified with nature and the cosmos and those who appear in human form. They can also be divided in other various groups, such as the following. Household Gods, Gashin. Household Gods are believed to reside in important places in and outside of a house. There's the Ancestor Spirit, Joryong, who lives in the inner room. The House Lord, Songju, lives in the living room. Wang Shin, the Kitchen God, and Chikshin, the Toilet God, live in their respective rooms. The house site official, Toju, lives in the backyard. The door guard, Munshin, lives in the main entrance's doorway. The seven stars god, Chilsongshin, lives among the food jars next to the house. The dragon king god, Yongwangshin, lives in the well. Village gods. Village gods are local communities' guardian deities who can take many different forms. They can take animal or natural phenomenon forms or look more human-like. They usually guard specific areas of the village and its surroundings, such as sacred trees, shrines, or even sacred stones. Cosmic Order Gods The Cosmic Order Gods are linked to the moon, the sun, the stars, wind, fire, and even directions. For example, Obang Xinjiang, the warrior god of five directions, north, east, west, south, and central, gives peace, wealth, and comfort to devotees. Departed souls can also be classified and worshipped as gods, be it a hero's soul, the founder of a dynasty, or village ancestors and founders. Che Yong, 
was a general during the Goryeo dynasty who fought with Isongye and died unjustly. He's invoked when trying to appease the soul of someone who died unfairly. Progenitors of Korean shamanism are also worshipped as gods, for example, Princess Bari and Dangum Megi. They are gods related to life events such as birth, sickness, and death. They are also gods or guardians from non-Korean religions like Jeanne d'Arc, or even military figures like General MacArthur. General Guan Yu, found in the popular novel Romance of the Three Kingdoms, is worshipped as a god and found in many shrines. He was already worshipped, but he became even more popular because during the Imjin War, it is said that the Japanese invaders didn't violate his shrines. Now let's take a look at the types of shaman. Korean shaman, Mu, belong to one of two categories. The Gangshin Mu, spirit-possessed shamans, are those who have experienced spirit possession. The Sesup Mu are the hereditary shamans. The Gangshin Mu are adept at singing and dancing and performing the Gut ritual itself, while the Sesup Mu divine the causes of singular illnesses and picks a good day for a Gut. There are three stages in becoming a Gangshin Mu, a spirit-possessed shaman. First is the Shin Byong stage, second is the Nedim Gut, and third is the stage of learning and practice. The first stage, Shin Byong, is the possession of a shaman by spirit. It's accompanied by physical pain and psychosis. The illness is characterized by a loss of appetite, insomnia and hallucinations. Gangshin Mu shamans undergo trance possession and speak with the voice of the spirit or god that's being invoked during rituals. The only way to be cured is through acceptance of and full communion with the possessing spirit. This is done through a ritual called Nedim Gut, which is the second stage. The Nedim ritual is basically an initiation ritual. It establishes a sort of god-daughter, godmother relationship between the novice and the mature shaman who presides over the ritual. The novice shaman will then establish a shindang, a shaman's shrine in her house, and offer sacrifices to the gods every day by burning incense and lighting candles. Novice shaman will learn how to prepare offerings to the gods, learn how to make costumes, use shaman equipment, and learn how to cook and prepare foods destined for ritualistic offerings. It is said that a possessed shaman life does not belong to her, neither part of the world of gods or of humans. They are mediator between gods and people and expected to live their lives worshipping gods in order to have a dialogue between them and the people who seek welfare. The Gangshin Mu shamans are traditionally found in the northern parts of the Korean Peninsula. The provinces of Hamgyong, Pyongan, Huanghe, and northern Gyeonggi, as well as Seoul. In the case of the Sesup Mu, hereditary shamans, their powers are inherited through the patrilineal family line, 
but the actual shamanic role is transmitted to the wives of those who inherited the shamanic priesthood. Thus, the daughter-in-law of a shaman is the one who becomes a shaman. That daughter-in-law also usually comes from a shamanic family. In the southern province of Jalado, the female shamans are also called Dangul. A husband or father-in-law usually plays musical instruments and makes paper flowers to decorate altars. The Dangul performs the Gut, the ritual. In eastern coastal areas, the female shaman is called Mudang or Mudangakshi. The male helper, not shaman, is called Yangjung or Huarengi. They are usually a married couple. The Yangjung prepares the altar and plays musical instruments. Again, the female shaman, the Mudang, actually performs the Gut. The Shimbang shamans are only found on Jeju Island. They combine features of Gangshin Mu and Sesup. Like the Gangshin Mu, they are associated with a specific set of spirits, but they do not inhabit the Shinbang's body. Instead, they are found in the Mengdu. Mengdu are a set of brass ritual devices, a pair of knives, Shinkal, a bell, Muryong, and divination implements. These implements are made of brass, a pair of Sangjan, divination cups, a pair of Chonmun, heavenly cash discs, and the Sande, divination platform vessel. The Shimbang's task is to interpret the divine message conveyed by their Mengdu, as well as to use them to worship the gods. Okay, so now let's talk about the Gut, the ritual. A Gut is a religious rite conducted by a Mudang with songs and dances and exorcism to expel calamities and receive blessings and calling for happiness. It's also called Puri. There are family Gut and village Gut. At the same time, a Gut is like throwing a big party. The host cleans up his home, Guests arrive, and they drink, sing, and dance. They might also ask the host some favors. Guests leave, and the host cleans up. The scale of these gut can be only a couple of people to the whole village. The gut has many steps. Bujong, purification. Chongbe, invocation. Guchuk and Shintak, supplication and divination. Oshin, a time to entertain gods, and Songshin, the sending off of the gods. The initial stage of the Gut is the Bujong, where the ritual area is purified with fire and water and the gods are invoked. Muga, shamanic songs, are performed to the beating of a drum. A piece of paper can be held in the mouth of participants to prevent evil influences. The next stage is the invocation of the gods, Chongbe. It is done through songs of invocation and dances which can range to a couple of minutes to an hour. The songs usually consist of the description of the gods, the genealogy of the gods, as well as legends surrounding the shaman's own ancestors. There's often a retelling of the formation of the world and its history. 
It's more of an introduction to the gut proper. The following stage is gochuk and shintak, supplication and divination. Gochuk consists in announcing the prayers of the sponsor of the ritual to the gods. The gods are then supplicated by the shaman for their help by singing, dancing, praying, and rubbing of the hands. The shaman usually enters a trance-like dance in which they are possessed by gods and are able to communicate with the spirit world. The gods speak to the shaman, acting like an oracle. The shaman will often speak in different tone and might command participants to do some actions. Usually, participants will feel the shift in the shaman's attitude and actions, and they will bow and acknowledge that they are now in the presence of the gods. Good fortunes are usually sent. Sometimes the message is transmitted after possession or divination through objects like a sacred tree pole. The next stage is Oshin, the entertainment of the gods. Here, every attendees are encouraged to participate in dances, songs, drinking, and just plainly having fun. The shaman plays the role of the god in this stage as well. They are still possessed by spirits of the gods. The final stage is Songshin, the sending off of the gods. The invited gods are sent off as well as other spirits who joined in. Games are played alongside songs and music. Foods are often offered to the ghosts and vindictive spirits. Usually, some symbolic items are burned off. By this stage, the shaman becomes herself again. It's very important to note that shamanic gods treat all people present at a good equally, with the same level of respect. There is no class distinction and discrimination. Shamanic rituals are not like religions. There are no precepts and logical theories. People are taught duties and ethics through the ritual processes themselves, mostly dancing, singing, and role-play. Rituals are said to make people aware of their place in the world. The shamanic worldview is constructed through harmony with other people, animals, and nature. Book which means luck, and the ultimate value pursued through the performance of good can be only gained through respecting the balance of harmony with people, nature, and animals. This can be achieved with the help of gods and ancestral spirits. A balanced life, according to a shamanic worldview, should incorporate yin-yang. If it collapses, human beings will suffer mishaps and lead miserable lives. Gut are performed to rebalance the order of yin-yang. During a gut, gods, the souls of the dead and the ghosts, who all belong to the yin, meet, play around and talk with humans who belong to the yang. There are three broad purposes for rituals, but it doesn't encompass all shamanic rituals in Korea. A gut for the dead, a saryong gut, is initiated to purify the dead from past sins to appease their frustrations, unfulfilled desires, and anger. It's a ritual to help the deceased soul pass into the next world. There is this idea that the dead has regrets for an unfinished life. It's also sometimes used to help living people who want to make sure that they will go to heaven. A jesu gut is a ritual for good luck. 
Its purpose is to bring good luck and blessings to the household or the whole village. It's also used to drive away misfortunes. In larger scale rituals, many shamans can participate at once. A shingut is a gut performed for shamans, like the nerimgut, the initiation ritual, or the jinjokut, thanksgiving ritual, where offerings are made to the shamans, guardian spirits, or other gods. This gut only involves spirit-possessed shamans, gangshinmu, meaning those who were diagnosed with shinbyong. The thanksgiving rituals are held during spring blooming season and after the fall harvest. Like many gut, this seeks harmony between deities and the human world, seeking communication between both worlds. There are many myths about the origins of shamanism in Korea. I will recount a couple of them here. There is the Princess Bari myth, the Gongshim myth, the Chokong Bonpuri myth, and the myth of Dangun. The story of Princess Bari is found in all regions except Jeju. There are hundreds of versions of this myth. She's identified as the patron goddess of shamans responsible for guiding the souls of the dead to the afterlife and the goddess of the Big Dipper. Her story is the story of a mythical king and his queen who gives birth to six daughters. When the queen is pregnant for the seventh time, she has a dream that the baby will be a son, but isn't. The king orders his latest daughter to be thrown away and she becomes known as a baddie, meaning to throw away. She ends up being rescued by a Buddha-like figure a mountain god, and a stork. After many other events, she's tasked with a quest to find medicinal water to heal her parents. It's a long quest in which she gives birth to many sons, perhaps 12, depending on the version of the story. She returns to her parents with the medicinal water and flowers of resurrection. Unfortunately, her parents are already dead. She stops the funeral procession resurrects her parents with the flowers and cures them with the sacred water. Princess Badi then attains divine status. Chogong Bon Puri is the origin myth of Jeju shamanism. It's a variant of the myth of Maiden Dangum. Again, there are many versions of this story. In perhaps the most popular one, Kim Jong-guk and Im Jong-guk, a rich couple, are approaching their 50s and have no children. A Buddhist priest visits them from Hwangum Temple and tells them to make offerings for a hundred days. A girl is miraculously born shortly thereafter. She is named Noga Danpung Agishi. When she turns 15, her parents leave her and imprison her behind two doors with, respectively, 78 and 48 locks and tell the family servant to feed her through a hole. The Buddhist monk comes back to the house and learns about this. He rings a bell three times, breaking the locks. Nogadampung Agishi comes out wearing a jangut, a veil of chastity. The priest strokes her head three times and she becomes pregnant. Her parents came back and learning of her pregnancy, wanted to kill her to restore the family's honor but they were convinced not to do this and instead banished her. 
She's given a golden fan and leaves her home. She gives birth to triplets who tear out of her armpits and her breasts. The triplets become servants of corrupt aristocrats who were preparing for the guago, the civil service exam. The aristocrats and triplets eventually head to Seoul. The triplets are stranded atop a pear tree, but they were rescued by a local nobleman. Somehow, the triplets undertake the guago and are the only ones to pass the exam. The aristocrats are outraged and decided to kill the triplets' mom, Noga Danpung Agishi. The triplets become shamans and are given the divination discs. They undertook a ritual and resurrected their mother. The triplets then get the first Mengdu implements forged and stored in the palace where their mother and Nosame Nodoryong, the young god of shamanic music, will watch over them. The triplets then ascend to the afterlife, becoming the divine judges of the dead. Later, the daughter of an important politician falls ill. She is told that the only cure is through shamanic initiation, but she doesn't have access to rituals. She goes to see the triplets, who welcome her and give her the sacred objects, the Mengdu. She then becomes the first human shaman. Gongshim is a legendary princess from the Goryeo dynasty. She has been struck with Shinbyong and was cured by becoming a shaman. She joined a shamanic priesthood in Namsan Mountain in Seoul and then proceeded to spread shamanism throughout Korea. There are many versions of her story. I'll discuss the most common one. Princess Gongshim falls in love with Jotong, a man from Okwa. Jotong is married and decides that he must leave the area to serve as commander in the northern regions. There, he is ambushed and loses his left hand. He returns to Okwa, where he succumbs to his injuries. Meanwhile, Gongshim is waiting on Jotong to return, but goes insane. Her father sends her to Namsan, and she is cured by being initiated to shamanism. She then decides to ride a horse, and wherever it may go, she will teach shamanism to the people. The horse stops in Okwa, where she finds Jotong's tomb. She finally decides to live near his tomb and spread shamanic religion among the locals, who then spread it further throughout the kingdom. Finally, there's the legend of Dangun. Dangun was a legendary founder of Gojoseon, the first Korean kingdom. He's often called the grandson of heaven and the son of a bear. His father was Hwanung, the son of the lord of heaven, Hwanin. His mother was a bear, which became a woman called Ummyo. Dangun then built the walled city of Asadal and called the kingdom Joseon, which we now call Gojoseon. Dangun conducted daily rituals in honor of his ancestors. As you can see, Korean shamanism has a rich history, a multitude of gods and spirits to worship and invoke, and a unique set of rituals and practices. The origin myths of Korean shamanism are quite distinctive as well. I have in no way explored everything about Korean shamanism, but I hope that this video shone a light on this important aspect of Korean culture. Thank you for watching. 
please leave a like and comment and subscribe if you like this video. Stay tuned for more videos on the rich history of Korea.